us, uh, we just want to say welcome and so glad to have you. And um, we're going to be... Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, failure today, as, uh, as you've seen the, the little promo video there as we go into the message. But before we do, I want to talk about something just real quick, just a couple quick things for you. Um, that uh, we have a community missions team, and, uh, and we're, we've got a few projects coming up um, that are going to be uh, available for everybody to be a part of. And I want to tell you about uh, two of them real quick. This one, whether you're on the community missions team or not, everybody can be a part of the community missions team, by the way. Um, uh, one of them uh, is linked to Mission Akron, and it's this idea called Flannels from Heaven. One of our students, uh, their grandfather, uh, Jenna Peresta, who sings up here occasionally as well, uh, her grandpa, uh, Calvin McNutt, who was uh, you know, just a, an awesome guy, a member of our, of our church for years and years, he always wore flannels. And, uh, and so in memory of him and, uh, and in conjunction with an organization we're going to be working with with Mission Akron called Love Our Community, we're going to be collecting on behalf of our church flannels and uh, flannel shirts and hats, uh, winter hats and gloves to be donated during the week of Mission Akron. Uh, and so if you have um, some gently used, because we want to give nice things to people that need things, right? Um, flannel shirts, hats and gloves that you want to bring in, we'll be collecting them at the orange wall. Um, I'll be sending more information about that in an email here in a couple of days. Number two is uh, and something that you may have heard of um, called Feed My Starving Children. We're going to be partnering uh, with uh, a few different churches around the area. They're going to be a part of that. Uh, Grace Church uh, Bath is kind of leading this, and they reached out to me about um, us partnering with them to be a part of this. And let me just read you this description so that because it's a, a lot quicker than me trying to explain it. Volunteers hand pack meals specifically formulated for malnourished children, and Feed My Starving Children sends them to mission partners running orphanages, schools, clinics, and feeding programs around the world. Uh, and while Grace Church Bath is the host, uh, there are many other churches coming alongside this as well to be a part of it. It's going to be happening May 31st through June 4th. You can sign up for two-hour slots throughout that week. The goal is to pack a million meals uh, this year. And I think that's a really cool thing for many churches to be a part of. The body of Christ is not just Connect Church. It's, it's many churches around, and we have a lot of sister churches that we want to partner with and be a part of doing kingdom work. Um, and so that's an awesome thing I'm going to be sending an email in the next couple of days about how you can sign up and register for all of that and be a part of it. Ages 5 to 105 can be a part of this. So it can be an entire family thing. Um, it's it's going to be a, an awesome thing to be a part of. So uh, more details coming in your email. Check your email. Uh, coming at you. Let's pray and we'll get into the message today. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, for uh, the opportunity we have to be your hands and feet and, uh, and to love our community, to love people uh, around the world in, in the various areas uh, that you call us to, uh, to love people and to serve. And so Jesus, I pray uh, that we would all uh, kind of be willing to, to jump into these opportunities that, that when we say we're, we want to connect people to Christ, community, and purpose, uh, we mean it. And so Father, I pray that, uh, that we would all uh, find a way that we can be a part of these things. Uh, Jesus, I pray now as we dive into your word, we look at what you have to say to us. I pray that we would be open to what you have for us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in each of our hearts, challenge us, change us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we've been talking for the last few weeks about how we can fail forward, uh, we're going to continue that conversation here uh, today. And the idea really being that failing forward means that we learn from our mistakes, that we learn from our mistakes, and that we, uh, I think I'm a little further back here than I usually am. There we go. See? 
Um, we learn from our mistakes and we move forward. Um, and we don't necessarily uh, dwell on those things, which is what we're going to talk a lot about today. We let stumbling blocks become stepping stones in our life. And so uh, when we put things through a godly perspective, uh, that can happen. And when we dwell maybe on, uh, on, on our failures in, in a negative way, it can really set us back. And so we're going to look at some aspects like that. But let me ask you this. What, um, what did getting an F in school mean to you? Some of you are still in school. Um, what, if, if you got this, what does that mean to you? And here's what I mean by that. Um, did it ruin your day? Does it ruin your day when you get an F? For those, because I know we got some students and, and stuff in here and watching as well. Uh, does it ruin your day? Does it ruin your week? Does it ruin maybe only like five minutes and you just kind of move on? Do you look at it and go, well, you know what? If I just drew a line right there, it's an A. So parents are like, why'd you tell him that? Did you, do you hide your report card? Do you blame the teacher? Blame the progress book? Whatever. Some of you parents know what I'm talking about. That's like a swear word in our house. Um, do you face the music? Do you own it? Do you own up to it? When you fail at something, here's really the, the, the question. When you fail at something, how do you handle it? How have you handled it in the past? So I'm hoping that today God's word can kind of show us something different. That we can move forward in a different way today because we do not all handle failure well. Myself included. We do not handle failure well. I'm not great at it, but I've gotten better at it over the years, I would say. Um, because I've failed a lot at a lot of different things. And most of the things that I'm good at it's because I've failed and in some ways had nobody to ask or nobody to maybe go to and some of the and I'm talking some of the skill things uh, that I'm good at um, I remember when I was working for the ad agency that I started working at immediately out of art school I worked for this uh, small ad agency and there were only two designers uh, on you know, on staff at the time, and, and I was the low guy on the, on the rung, and the person that was there had been there for a couple of years, had a lot more experience than me, and um, he, uh, he knew how to do web design, and I did not, because that was, you know, this was like 2003-ish, maybe sooner, um, probably more like 2001, now that I think about it, and so doing web design was still kind of a specialized thing. And, uh, and this was before like Squarespace and Wix and stuff where you just get templates and you drag and drop and you look like you know what you're doing, which are great and praise God for that today, right? Now I'm talking code. Like I, I was writing code and like the matrix looking stuff. And I had no idea what I was doing. And the guy that was above me did. He's working on a website for our biggest client. And he gets a job at an agency in Chicago. And he's like, yeah, I'm out in two weeks. I got two weeks to give you a crash course in web, de web design. And I'm like, great. <laughs> Didn't go well. He, he leaves. Two weeks later, I totally ruined the website. Like it wouldn't load. Nothing was coming up. And like this is the client that like paid our bills. Like this was the biggest client that we had. And so I had to figure it out. I had to persevere. I had to and I had nobody to ask. Like, I didn't know anybody that knew web design. So I grabbed some books. I was looking at some things online and I figured it out enough. Thought I was going to lose my job a couple of times there. Um, but while I persevered and I did figure it out, that's great in the work environment. 
You know, that, that's fine. And so, some of you are like me and, and in a weird way, I'll, I can kind of thrive in those moments where like the, the deadline is there, the pressure's up. I, I kind of thrive in that way, but that's not great, number one. Number two, that's also doesn't really work when it comes to life. What about when it comes to friends? What about when it comes to relationships? What about when it comes to family? Let me ask it this way. What does it mean to persevere as a Christian? What does it mean to persevere as a Christian? Do we just throw up our hands? Do we just go, oh, oh well. Or are we a little maybe naive about it and we think that we won't fail the same way because we're followers of Jesus, right? Like I got the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm fine. I'm a follower of Jesus. My failures aren't as bad as before. That's also not really the right perspective to have either. And the Christian life can feel a lot like a DIY show which there are plenty of, you know, where people think that they have it all figured out and um, only to really wind up with a mess. And you've seen these shows, if you watch these home improvement shows, right, where they make remodeling a house and like fixing a broken window seem super easy and in a matter of like, you know, an hour, they take this house that looked like a wreck and they're like, oh, well, the foundation's falling apart. We'll just jack it up. It's not a big deal. And we'll put it in. You're like, oh, that's great. You know, and, and it's like some, like, 28-year-old girl who has, you know she really has no idea what she's doing. She's got people behind the scenes that are doing all this stuff for you. But in a matter of an hour, she looks like her and her crew are doing great when all she's really done is picked out her leggings for the show. And, <laughs> right? And, and we get these ideas in our head about that like, oh, well, life is just like that. That the Christian life is, is just like that. And our expectations are in a, are in a certain place and it gets ruined by how difficult life can really be. I remember um, I, I tried within this last year or so to remodel my bathroom. So learned a lot about failure there. I watched a couple YouTube videos. I was good. I was not good. Epic failure, right? Um, I, I knew my shower needed to be torn out. It needed to be torn out for like a year. And, um, and so when... I decided I was actually going to do this. Um, I'm like, all right, I can do demo. And, and if I tear it out, I'm actually going to have to do it now, right? Because you're like, okay, the shower's torn out. I got to fix it. I got I to gotta make this happen. And so I tore it out, which is fine. And then I had no clue where to go from there, which is not fine. Um, when you've got a house with uh, six people who need to shower and you're down to one, that's not great. Um, and I had no choice but to fix it at that point. And I had to own my failure. I had to own my failure. I had to humble myself. I had to get help from family. I had to get help from friends who knew what they were doing, or at least knew more about what they were doing than I did. Um, cost me eight to 10 months of one shower in a house with six people. But now it's done for the most part. At least we have two working showers. I'll put it that way. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And the biggest thing that I learned <laughs> is that I have a lot to learn. Absolutely. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 3 for, for a minute. And this is probably a familiar story to you because failure has been around since the very beginning. Failure has been around since Adam and Eve. And what happened with Adam and Eve and the failure um, of the first sin in their story the guilt, the shame, because they had done wrong. It's something we can all relate to, but the reaction 
to doing wrong is also something that we can relate to because they tried to cover themselves up. They tried to run away. They tried to hide from God, which is hilarious when you're trying to hide from God. It's like hiding from air, you know. Um, he is omniscient, omnipotent, all-powerful everywhere. So good luck with that. And so let, let's look at the reaction here in Genesis chapter 3, 11 through 13. Take a look at this. God's saying this to them. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten fruit from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. And then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. And while we can make jokes and we can say, look at how they did it. Look at how they played the blame game. Because I mean, come on, like they had perfection, right? Fruit and nakedness. It was great. It was an amazing time. And they blew it. But we still do these things today. We still do these exact same things today. We try to fix it ourselves. We try to cover up. And we run away and we hide from what we've done. And we don't own it. We don't want to admit that the problem and our own failure. And so let me say something difficult here to start off with that many of us need to hear. Sometimes... The problem is not everyone else. Sometimes the problem is not everyone else. Now granted, I believe that the world in general needs to hear this statement because there's a whole lot of like just not owning it in society in general and that's very, very true and we can let our minds get off track in that way, right? And I'm sure you're all thinking of somebody who may or may not be in this room that you're like, boy, do they need to hear that, right? Okay, stop. I let you do that for a second. Now stop. Think about yourself for a minute. Think about right here. Let's sit right here and, and let's own this ourselves for a minute because that's a lot of what today is, is about. Because if we're going to make a difference for the kingdom out there, it's got to start here. It's got to start individually. And if, and if we are going to learn to fail forward in the way that Jesus taught us to, which as believers, as followers of Christ, we should be good at, it's got to start at an individual level or it's not going to make a difference collectively. So let's start here today. Let's start right here because we love to blame others. It's our default. It's really easy for us to do that. And so many relational issues, and listen, I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to anybody else. So many relational issues could be solved so much easier if we would just own it and apologize. I just blew your mind but I really didn't because you're like, yeah, I kind of knew that. But it really would. So many relational issues could be solved so much easier if we would just own it and apologize. So much drama could, could be avoided. And when we sense our own brokenness and we understand our own failure and we're willing to admit it, our first move should not be denial or self-reliance, but it is. That's where we default to, just like Adam and Eve did. And so if you're feeling convicted right now, feeling a little bit convicted, you're seeing that maybe you should be loving others better and you realize that you aren't, let me tell you what your first reactions should not be. Your first reaction should not be one of these two things. It's not my fault they made me do it, but that's what we do. It's not my fault they made me do it. Or, and this one might surprise you, your first reaction should also not be, I have to do better. And here's why. And both of those may be true in a sense. The latter may be a little more true. 
than the other. But here's why. Both leave you empty. Both of those reactions leave you empty, even if you, in your mind, fill that cup. Because God's not involved at all right there. Our first reaction to the feeling of failure should be something along these lines, saying, God, show me your love and help me to show it to others. I failed, show me your love and help me to show it to others. And we can grieve our failures, absolutely. Grieving is, is actually an appropriate reaction in many ways to this, but we have to persevere. A proper emotion to this is, is grief because in, in many ways we've lost something. When we fail or we fail someone, we've lost something. So that's an appropriate emotion. But what ultimately brings us out of this kind of grief so that we can fail forward is love. Love is what brings us out of that so we can fail forward. I don't know if anybody here watched WandaVision when that was on Disney Plus, but there was a line that was, in, that was in that show that I'm sure if you've watched it, you probably know exactly what the next slide's gonna be because it really like stuck as like, wow. And regardless of context of the show, which I'm not even gonna attempt, this line is, fits so perfectly with what we're talking about. And the character Vision said this. He said, what is grief if not love persevering? Think about that. Think about that for a second. What is grief if not love persevering? There's a lot of truth in that. God's love, he loves us with a persevering love. He, he's, he's there with us and we have to love God and never give up either. And we have to remind ourselves to keep moving forward. His, his love never gives up on us and we need to remember that. That's why it's in so many songs that we sing. Because we need to constantly remind ourselves of that. We need to remember that we're constantly dependent on Jesus. There's not a moment of your life, even right now, that you're not dependent on Jesus. And don't forget that. And when we disconnect from that truth, that's when we get drugged down into the pitfalls of failure. That's, that's what happens then. We end up dwelling on our failures longer than we should, and it keeps us from doing what God really wants to do with us and through us. And trust me when I tell you this because I suffer from the same problem often. I am my biggest critic, and in the past, I have let failure drag me down to a deep, dark place, mentally, emotionally, and that affects you physically, and it affects you spiritually. I'm talking from experience, and I believe that there's some of you, many of you, whether here watching online, that you're like, yep, I'm there, I get it. Absolutely. You, you possibly hadn't quantified it that way, but you know, you know I'm right. And Jesus speaks of this constant dependence on him in the life of a Christian, and, and he gives us an answer for this. In the Gospel of John, Jesus describes himself as a vine. And the believers are the branches that stretch from the vine, but we get this messed up sometimes. Take a look at this verse. This is probably a familiar passage in, in some ways. If not, I hope this like is a light bulb moment for you with this verse. He said this, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So John 15 is actually a continuation of these I am statements that Jesus is making in John 14. And, and he's making a connection between the one true God and himself through these statements. And the word remain that he uses right here in the, in the original Greek, um, it's also abide in some other translations. If your Bible's maybe a different translation, it, it means to remain and not leave. So it's more than just the word remain because English doesn't always do well. And so it's like to, to remain and to not leave. It's really talking about like a constant all the time. And Jesus is speaking to those who have already come to him and given their life to him. And, and so this charge is for them to remain in him and to remain with him, to be continually operating in him and, and with his divine influence in our, it, within ourself. And, you know, people are, we, we are able to produce a lot without God if you think about it. There's, there's some things that, that we can get done without God and even some things that, that are uh, churchy. How's that? With, without God. We, we could even convert others without God. We can, we can do good things. We can do good deeds without really being attached to God. We can serve there, there, there are many things that we can, quote, do, but the difference between production and bearing fruit, there's a big difference there. There's a big difference between production and bearing fruit. You can get a lot done with a branch. If I had a branch, you can get a lot done with it, but you can't bear fruit with a branch that's not attached to a tree. And if you find one, let me know. Do a YouTube video or something, because that'd be amazing because that doesn't really work that way. You can do a lot with a branch, but it cannot bear fruit apart from the tree. Jesus, even himself, didn't, and, and he even said it, he didn't, he's not asking us to do something he didn't do himself as well, because he even said that, you know, a, not a, he didn't do anything apart from the will of the Father. We see that throughout scripture. And so if Jesus is dependent on God and, and, and his own character, power, and guidance, then, then so should we at all times. And it's human nature for us to dwell on our missteps, for us to dwell on our failures, and for us to like sit on that and marinate on that way longer than we should. And we wonder what others think when we fail. And we try to do it on our own, which is why we end up shifting the blame to other people when we fail. And if you let failure get you down because your dependence was apart from the vine that is Jesus, that's why you stay in that pit and you rob yourself of potential growth. So let me say it this way. Your past is not your future. Your past is not your future. Some of you need to hear this today. Some of you maybe need to take a picture of this slide and put it on your wallpaper on your phone as a constant reminder that your past is not your future. Your past is not your future. It doesn't define who you are, what the rest of your life will look like. Not when you're a follower of Jesus. What matters is what you do after you've failed and how you move forward. 
And we gravitate toward insecurity as human beings. We believe that everyone knows about our failure. Everybody knows about it. Everybody's talking about it. But more often than not, it's only a few people. And, and we see that happen often, right? You know, everybody's saying, no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. Generally, they're not. Maybe a few people, but it's not nearly as many as what we think it might be. Look at Galatians chapter 2. Paul's talking about this idea. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My past does not dictate my future. That's what he's saying here. My old self is gone. My new self in who Jesus says I am, that's what really matters. Because failure reminds us of our limits, doesn't it? When we fail, it reminds us of our limits. But it should also remind us of our new life in Christ. It should remind us of our life in Christ. We have someone to turn to who is changing us. We have someone to turn to who we are dependent on and we know we can depend on him for everything. Too often we forget that we are under construction. You are under construction. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, there is never a moment in your life when you are not under construction. You will be under construction for the rest of your life. And as people who live in Ohio and drive on our roads, we get that because our roads will be under construction for the rest of our life. Don't amen that. But really, to be a Christian is to be under construction, is it not? If you ever build something, don't expect it to go smoothly. Don't expect everything to go the right way. You will be disappointed. And just like in the Christian life, when we are under construction in the Christian life, don't expect it to always go smoothly because it's not. Because you've got, sin, you've got a sinful world that we're living in and you are a sinful, broken person without Jesus. And so it's not always going to go smooth. You're gonna have some moments where everything goes right, but you're also gonna have some moments where it doesn't. And to understand that, to own that, to really own this idea that we are under construction puts things in perspective. In the world of construction, as we well know, Rarely does the entire project happen without problems arising. You have permit delays. You have material delays. You have cost problems. You have issues with uh, plans that maybe need to be re-engineered. We understand that here. And we have a building out there that can prove it. Um, while it's coming along awesome and great, I'll give you just a real quick update. They're putting drywall in uh, right now. All the drywall is, is going in and it's going really fast. They've even got the entire ceiling done in the multi-purpose room. It's awesome. Um, so yeah, insulation, drywall, all that stuff is happening. Yeah. Um, praise God for that. But let me tell you, there have been some issues getting to this place over the last few years to where we are. And I am, un and while things have been going smoothly the last couple of months, I am under no false assumptions that we're out of the woods yet because it's still under construction, right? And there's still some things that could, you know, go one way or the other. That's why when, and, and it's an appropriate question. I've had people asking me, you know, when do we think we're going to open the building? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> because... <laughs> I, I'm hoping and praying it's by the end of summer. That's the closest you're going to get to an actual like date 
for me to plant my flag on there. Um, as we get a little bit closer, I'm hoping to give you a little more uh, specifics, but that's, a, that's the most I'm going to say right now for all of these reasons. And the analogy there is so perfect for us as believers, especially when it comes to failure and how we react and how we act when that happens. Do we just dwell on it and sit in it or do we move forward and rely on Jesus and abide in him and remain in him and let that be a constant? It's not a switch that we flip when things go bad, like, oh, now I'm going to remain in Jesus. No, 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 no. We need to remain in Jesus at all times. It's a constant. It's not what you do. Remaining in Jesus is not what you do. It's who you are. It's who we are as followers of Jesus. There's never a time when we're like, well, I don't need that aspect of my faith. No, but we treat it that way, don't we? We do, even unintentionally. So we need to persevere. Who do we turn to in all things? We turn to Jesus, the one from, from whom life flows, the one from whom uh, everything is dependent on. And we need to remember that so we can persevere and we can keep moving forward. And we, we continue to be dependent on him because we are not defined by who we were or what we've done. We're defined by who he is and what he's done. That's who we are as followers of Jesus. As believers, we are defined by who he says we are. And so we will not let failure define us. We will persevere. We will keep moving forward in our walk with Christ. And so the connection point for the day is in many ways that exact thing. The connection point is that failure does not define you. Fail forward. Too many of us allow failure to define us. You don't say it that way, but we act that way. We let failure define us and we let failure dictate way too much of our life. We let it dictate too, too much, too often in the decisions that we're making about moving forward or not moving forward instead of depending on Jesus who put us in that position. Maybe you've heard this statement before and there's a lot of truth in it. If the Lord brought you to it, he's gonna bring you through it. May not be exactly how you think it should be, but are you depending on you? Or are you depending on him? Because you can't fail forward if you depend on you. You can't. But failure doesn't define the Christian life. We need to persevere despite our failure as we depend on God to change us. And so let's own our mistakes. Let's own our mistakes. And let's persevere because of the love of Jesus in our life. Amen? Will you bow your heads with me? Many of us have let our past dictate our future in the wrong ways because we haven't included Jesus in those moments. We've, we've tried to point the other direction. We've tried to play the blame game. And we've tried to just look at ourselves and say, I gotta do better. And listen, you're never gonna be able to completely do, quote, better on your own. So we need to remain in Jesus. We need to let him constantly be with us and we need to constantly be with him. That relationship 
is what drives us forward and allows us to persevere. Allows us to get through those moments. Allows us to learn and to fail forward. And when we let failure define us, we stifle all of that. Yeah, let's, let's take our lumps. Let's own it. Absolutely. But let's not dwell there. Let's move forward because Jesus says who we are, not, not us, not the world. As followers of him, we're defined by who he says we are. And he says, you're awesome. He says, you're my favorite. He says, I gave everything for you so that you can have abundant life, as it says, so that you can have life to the fullest, it says in John 10, 10. That's what he wants for you. Heavenly Father, I, I know that there are some of us here, some of us watching online, that have been sitting and dwelling in our failures way too long. We've let it define us. We've let it dictate decisions. We've let it interrupt relationships. We've let it get between us and, and, and others. And we've let it get between us and you. Father, forgive us. Help us to remain in you. Help us to lean into that relationship with you. Help us to remember that our failures don't disqualify us. Jesus, if there's someone here who needs to give their life to you and they haven't because they've felt like they've done too many things wrong, they've done this, they've done that. God, as I love to say, there's nothing that we can do to make you love us more and there's nothing we can do to make you love us less. You love us unconditionally and I'm so grateful for that. I pray for those that have let failure dictate their decisions. Pray that we can remain in you, that we can abide in you, that we can remain with you always in every aspect of our life. Jesus, it's not just something that we do right now while we're together in church, but it's, it's who we are as we live out each day, knowing that you're right there with us, whether we get it right or whether we get it wrong in the things that we're doing and the decisions that we're making. Father, you love us no matter what. Holy Spirit, I pray you would just continue to move now someone maybe needs to have a conversation or needs to pray today. Father, I, I know that your Holy Spirit's going to continue to move. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.